Welcome to the Westside Gathering Podcast, and thanks for making the time to learn and grow with us. Here, you'll find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, let's jump right in. Let me jump in. You ready to jump into the scriptures? Okay, let me start with a story, though, first. So there's this, this book I've wanted to read for a long time. It's called Let Your Life Speak, and uh, written by a guy named... Uh, Oh, is that the background the whole time? But anyways, whatever. I'll let you figure that out, Alexa. So uh, Let Your Life Speak is uh, written by a guy named Parker Palmer. By the way, isn't that a cool name? It kind of sounds like Peter Parker, Parker Palmer. That's a cool name. I think anybody with that name just has like, anyways. Um, So that's good. Uh, But he, he wrote this book, Let Your Life Speak, for years. Like it's on my I will eventually read it list. But I never did get to it. And then this summer, I had a list of like eight or ten books I wanted to read. And trust me, I didn't get to all of them. But then I took a couple of weeks off. And I was in Toronto sitting in my brother's living room on a Friday evening. And this little book is sitting on the the little coffee table. And it was really small, short. And I just picked it up. And I just like looked at the first few pages. I'm like, I've never, I've always wanted to read this. So I just asked my brother, hey, do you mind if I borrow it at least for the weekend? Because I was in Toronto for the weekend. He said, yeah, no problem. And I took it. And I, I just read it the, a little bit of it the next morning. And then it became that my first week of vacation, the, my morning read, like outside of the scriptures and prayer, I was just, I just read a little bit of this book. And it was, it was so helpful because when you see a title like that, Let My Life Speak, Sometimes you want to jump into, oh, my actions and my words matter, so let me do something with my life. For my life to speak, i got to do something, right? But actually, the heart of this book is that our actions and words come from a core in our very being. And as he writes this book, and it's part of his own journey where he crashed and burned. Because, I mean, this guy's an accomplished academic, accomplished educator, writer, he's written other books. But it's really a journey of his crash and burn story, in a sense, and then restoration to life, because he, lo- he knew he wasn't living as from, from a healthy core. And, and as much as he was doing stuff, and the accolades, and writing, and teaching, and his passion for education, the education system, he was crumbling inside. And he literally took a detour and spent almost a decade in a modern monastery run by the Quakers. If you don't know who the Quakers are, Google them. They're like a Christian group in the U.S. And this whole journey led him to to really look inside himself and pause and allow God to do some serious work in his inner being. And this book wasn't on my reading list, but it was on my what I needed list. You know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't on my reading list, but it was on what I needed list. And it just came back to me this week as I was thinking about the series we're in and the scripture we're walking through and this whole theme of making room for renewal inside of us. And the heart is that we cannot move back to something normal or move beyond normal, which I think is really what we long for, without an interior work of God's spirit in us, a real deep need for renewal in us. Even in worship this morning, we could sense that we, just, we need to meet with the Lord. I read this quote from Max Lucado this week, and he's now in, in his late 60s and still writing books, but not pastoring full time. But he writes this where he says, I don't want another program, another idea, another trend, but I am hungry. I am hungry for just a drop of the Holy Spirit to fall upon the church. And I read that and I said, yes, God, I'm, I'm hungry for that. I think we're hungry for that. And so the last couple of weeks, we've been working backwards through one of Paul's famous prayers in Ephesians chapter 3 
We started a couple of weeks ago with the end of the prayer, this vision that God can do immeasurably more than he can ask or imagine according to his power at work in us. It's God's purpose. He wants to use us, work in us. And then last week, we backed up into the prayer and we looked at the fullness of God. God wants to fill us with his fullness. And the prayer is that we would know his love that surpasses knowledge and know deeply the fullness of God. And as we come back to the prayer today, I want us to pay attention to what God is doing inside of us. Like the vision is great and it's so exciting, like God can do so much more than we ask or think. Man, I could be filled with God's fullness, but then there's this, it's part of what's happening really in our core. So I want to read it again with us. We'll read this prayer, Ephesians 3, verse 14. Listen to it or follow along. Paul prays this. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. And I pray, according to the riches of his glory, that he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his Spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, as you're being rooted and grounded in love. And I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations. And everybody says? Amen. Amen. Yeah, that's a prayer. So the guts of this prayer, as Paul really starts to pray for these people and ultimately pray for us, is in verse 16 and 17. And and I just want to read that part again. He, He says, I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. It's Paul's getting to the core, the foundation of who we are, our inner being, There's an illustration uh, by an author named Mike Breen who writes a lot about the church being on mission and and how we can uh, see the church impact our culture and society. And he's always had a really cool image about a car and an engine. And he talks about mission as the car, but the car is useless without an engine. And he talks about discipleship as the engine. And that's so true for all of us, right? Like, we often want the car... Hey, I want to go places, I want to do stuff, I want to look like this, I want my life to be like this. But often we neglect the engine, and the engine is what drives the car. And I love that image because so much of what it means to follow Jesus or live the life of God's kingdom that he calls us into is from the inside out. It's not like NASCAR, like placing labels on me. You know, this is me, this is me, this is me, this is me, and everybody sees me on the screen. It's like, what's under the hood? That's So much of what it means to live a Christian life is from the inside out. And Paul, in these just two verses, gives us two layers of God's interior work. I love it because we see these two layers at work. It's kind of like the same song but different musical notes. It's the same idea but different metaphors. And he starts off in this first way that he prays. He says, I pray that according to the riches of glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened. But he says that God may grant this inner work in you. In other words, God wants to grace this to you. He wants to give this to you. Paul's saying, I pray that God would grant this to you, that God would give this to you, that he would bless you with this. And it's two different layers. And if, if you go to the, the next slide with the, the, you know, you can see how both lines of the prayer are really saying the same thing. 
strengthened in your being with power through his spirit, or Christ dwelling in your hearts through faith. It's the same song, but it's, two di it's different notes. It's the same message, but two different sets of words. And so I want to, this kind of jumped out at me, and I think it's helpful for us sometimes to, to know how to study the Bible and get into a verse like this. And so I split it up in these two layers, and you can go to the next slide that really talks about the first is the what of what's going on here. What is Paul praying for? He's praying two things, and they, they're really the same thing, but they're combined with two words. He's praying that we would be strengthened in our inner being, but he's praying that we'd be strengthened, and he's praying that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith. The idea of us being strengthened and Christ dwelling in us is really the same thing. That Paul's ultimately praying for this big idea that we would be filled or strengthened or be with God in this way because each of us need the empowering presence of God to be God's people, to fulfill God's purpose. You and I can't go out into our week tomorrow thinking that we're going to be a witness for God's kingdom thinking that we're going to discern the way of Jesus in our interactions and transactions, thinking that we're going to have the courage to, to follow God's calling in our life, if we're just going with a message and a method, we need more. We need to be strengthened inside of us if we want to be effective, if we want to be effective around us. And so strength and dwell sounds, might sound different, but they're two layers of the same thing. We're strengthened because of Christ that dwells in us. We're strengthened in our inner being because of Christ dwelling in us. And here's the where. Here's the next double layer here. And the two words Paul uses. He says that we're strengthened in our inner being and that Christ dwells in our heart through faith. Same thing. Inner being, heart. It's the interior of who we are. It's, it's like, I'm not just looking at Dorothy, but it's like, who is Dorothy on the inside? And Dave behind her is like, who is Dave on the inside? Paul's saying, I, I don't want to just give you like muscle mass. I want to strengthen you on the inside. I want God to, I want you to be strengthened in the interior of your being, in the seat of your consciousness, deeply who you are. And then he gets to the who and the how of this. And again, same thing, different language. The first line is through the work of the Holy Spirit. The second line is through the work of Christ, as we have faith in him. The first line, the work of the Holy Spirit. The second line, the work of Christ. It's with power through his spirit and through faith in Christ that God indwells us, that God strengthens us, that Christ lives within us. And this is so important for us to know because we can't do this by ourselves. We can't do this by ourselves. There's one way that Paul says this, right? He says, through your faith, and when he says through your faith, you might mistaken that by saying, oh, okay, so because I have faith in Jesus, because I have put my faith in him, because I have some mental belief of Jesus, now this is all going to happen. Well, yes and no. Yes, obviously, we call it the trust in Christ. But that, that phrase, through faith, we often limit it to my belief in Jesus, my step of faith. And sometimes two extremes happen. The one extreme is, God, because of my faith, will you do this? The other extreme is, because of my faith, i got to do nothing. You ever catch yourself in those two extremes? You see these streams within Christianity. You know what? It's all based on your faith. If you would have more faith and you would step into, your, into this faith, then you would see God work. Or the other one is like, hey, because of my faith, I, there's nothing I can do. You know, don't, nothing, nothing to earn anything with God's favor, which is obviously true. 
But through faith, here, I want you to think about something. And there's two other times that Paul uses this use of faith. Ephesians 2 and Galatians 2. I want to read them off the screen with you. And uh, go to the next one. I think, keep going. Yeah, there it is. So the first one is Ephesians 3.12. He says, Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have access to God, in boldness and confidence through faith, what does it say? In him, right? The second one from Galatians 2, Paul's words as well, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's true, but if you have like um, a Bible that has some notes at the bottom, you might realize that there's a little note at the bottom that says faith in him could also be translated faith of him. So faith in him, faith in Christ, or faith of Christ. Well, that now sounds different. We have access to God in boldness and confidence through the faith of Christ. Or the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith, the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so when Paul also says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, is he saying that it's all based on your mental assent and belief? Or is it maybe also mainly based on what Jesus has already done? His faithfulness. Christ's faithful. Christ was faithful to go to the cross. Christ was faithful to die and resurrect. Christ was faithful in his life and ministry and purpose on earth. And so when we think of faith of Christ, we're saying what Christ has done, what he faithfully completed in God's uh, purposes, his life and death and resurrection and ascension. So when we think this phrase, I want us to be careful that it's not just merely my act of faith, but his act of faithfulness that is central here. And if you and I want renewal, if we're always saying, based on my faith, based on my faith, based on my faith, we might run dry. But when we stop and say, wait a second, Christ dwells in me, his spirit strengthens me based on his faith, his faithfulness. So renewal is only possible because we have put our trust in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. I want to put that line on the screen just so we get it in our minds. Renewal is possible because we have put our trust in the life, death, resurrection of Jesus, in what Christ has done, his faithfulness. So it's not merely what I say or believe, but something he's already done that now I can depend on. That's, that's different because now it's his faithful work that has made him dwelling in me possible because of what he's done. And then here, here's the beauty. Now you and I can experience his power and his presence. Now you and I can experience renewal in our hearts and relationship with him. And this is where it's all meant to happen. In you. In you. Four or five times Paul has these phrases, you know, strengthen in your inner being, Christ dwells in your heart through faith, that you're rooted in love, that the power of God's work that is at work within you. Like so many times, he's four or five times in this little prayer, he, he emphasizes this is something that God wants to do in you. And this is really important because the whole Ephesian letter, when Paul uses the word you, it's very often plural. 
So when Paul talks about the adoption as sons and daughters, when Paul talks about predestination or election or what the, the church coming together, Paul's using the plural word you. He's saying all of you. God, is, God has called all of you. God has adopted you. God has called you. God is, you know, God is predestined for the church to be uh, God's family. So while that's true, you and I can only experience, we must experience Christ personally. And then as you experience it personally, and I experience it personally, and you experience it personally, together, as the church, we're called, predestined, to live out this life of faith together. And so God wants you to experience him, wants you to be strengthened on the inside. It's in you, and that's what we desperately need right now. So many things that I've, I've come across in the last couple of months have just been reminding me of this, Daria, I think a couple of weeks ago, referenced John Elridge. I, I really, I don't read him or recommend him, but I'm not saying he's bad. I'm just saying, like, you're not going to hear me say read his book. But he, I think we've listened to the, both, uh, to the same interview that talked about, like, hey, take a few minutes with Jesus every day. And I thought it was a great exercise, even though we need to kind of grow in that. But I, what I so appreciated from John Elridge was his assessment of this post-pandemic trauma that many people are feeling this post-pandemic trauma that many people are coming out of or still living through, and through his counseling and conversations and ministry and you know, travel around North America and even the world, he's realized what we need more than anything is union with Christ. What we need more than anything to find healing and hope and restoration and to be strengthened is union with Christ. This deep inner work of the Spirit. This, recently, this book this summer by a guy named Mark Sayers, he, he writes a book called The Non-Anxious Leader. And uh, he loves to like analyze politics and geopolitics in the world and stuff. And he says that right now, we're living in a gray zone. It's not the first guy to say this, but right now we're living in a gray zone. We're, we've been living with some kind of certainty for several decades. We're in a gray zone. We don't know what's next. The world is shifting. The economies are shifting. Who, the, the powers in the world are shifting, and we're in a gray zone. And so as he's predicting this gray zone, he says, well, we really can't predict what's next. One of the results is anxiety. One of the results is, I don't know what's next. I don't know what's happening. What's going on in the other part of the world? What's going on with this country? What's going on with the economy? What's going on with this? What's going on that? Is there another pandemic on the way? Anxiety comes from that, and so anxiety, not the clinical definition of anxiety, but the sense that we can become anxious because of uncertainty. And many people are living with that angst inside them. But what does our world need most, need more than anything? What do your kids need more than anything? What do your, your friends need more than anything? They need a non-anxious presence. They need a non-anxious presence. The world around us might make us anxious and then we absorb that and then pass it on. But what the world needs, what your kids needs and teens and homes and workplaces and governments and neighborhoods, they need a non-anxious presence. Who more than a Christ follower and the church who is deeply rooted in Christ's love and knows their future can live in this world with a non-anxious presence? Isn't that true? Who more than God's people should be able to live in this world with a non-anxious presence. Again, I'm not talking about if someone's struggling with uh, you know, a mental illness like anxiety or something like that, but just the general angst that's going on. 
And here's the thing. The only way to grow into a non-anxious presence is to allow your inner being to be renewed. It's not going to just be the sweater you put on or the jacket you put on or the car you're driving or getting a raise or something like that. It comes from inside of us that our inner being would be renewed from the inside out, from our core. There's a pastor, I think he's in Colorado. His name is Steve Cuss. And um, he, before he became a pastor, he's, he, he first was a chaplain in an emergency ward. And uh, he writes about his experience in one, a leadership book he writes. And he, he said that the first time he, ha- he had, was called as a chaplain working at the hospital, he walks into a waiting room where a family's there, and he has to bring them the news of a loved one who died in an accident. And he said, I walked into that room, and we shared the news, and the room filled with anxiety. And he said, in that moment, I froze. I couldn't be the chaplain pastor. He said, I absorbed all the anxiety of the room. And he felt so defeated. He felt like he failed the family. And over a a few times of this, he, he talked to some mentors and others, and he started to realize, okay, I'm, I am walking into this place and I'm absorbing everybody's anxiety and now I can't even be present with them. And so he learned that his job wasn't to absorb the anxiety but, and just to try and fix things. Do this, do that, a good word, something like that. You know what, we'll take care of you here. Here's what we can do after that. No, no, the job wasn't for him to fix them. It was to be a non-anxious presence with them. In that moment, he realized he needed to be present with those who were grieving, not mirror back their grief and anxiety. And as I think about that experience, I think about how we can easily, throughout our day, watching the news, thinking about what's next or what's happening, just absorb the anxiety of our world and then mirror mirror back. But God say, no, I want to strengthen your inner being. I want you, Christ can dwell in your heart and root you and you don't need to mirror back what's, in, what's around you. You can be a different presence than what's around you. And going back to Mark Sayers, he says, what if the church would respond to the current gray zone we're in by seeking to be renewed on the inside? What if the next two or three or four or five years of the church wasn't absorbing all the anxiety in the world and trying to fix everything, trying to be political and this and that, but saying, we are going to grow from the inside out. We're going to be strengthened in our inner being. Christ dwells in our heart through faith so that we can be a gift to the world rather than mirror back its brokenness, mirror back its anxiety, mirror back the roller coaster of it. We can be a gift to the world, and not based on your strength, but based on God strengthening your inner being and Christ dwelling in your heart and my heart through faith. Who wants to start their Monday like that? I want to start my Monday like that. And this is why Paul can write such a prophetic and powerful letter from prison. These words that we're reading, this prayer that he penned and that he prayed, he wrote it from a prison cell. It's not that Paul was disconnected from his experience. It's not like Paul woke up in the morning and said, 
I'm not in a prison cell, I'm not in a prison cell, I'm not in a prison cell, right? It's not like he's, he's looking out the window and saying, there's not a guard outside my window, there's not a guard outside my window, right? He's not saying like, this food is horrible, this breakfast sucks, I wish I was like home eating, right? He's, it's not like he's trying to take himself out of that and pretend it doesn't, it's not happening. But he also wasn't absorbed by it. And he also didn't absorb it. Instead, his inner being was strengthened by the Holy Spirit and Christ was present in his heart that he could write this letter to people who weren't in prison, who were better off than him at that moment. They weren't in prison. He was in prison. He didn't allow the prison to shape his heart. He allowed God to continue shaping his heart. And then he was a gift to the church. Isn't that incredible? That's what God's calling us to be. I noticed this in the life of some of the most beautiful and effective activists in our world. There's activists who stir up anger and activists who, who just mirror back the angst of the world. And then there's activists who see the injustice, who see the problem, who see the brokenness and don't mirror it back. They don't mirror back anger. They don't mirror back all the pain. They don't mirror back the aggression. They, might, they, they don't just have a strong message and strong actions. They're working from an, in, an inner being. That's a big difference. When you see... Activists in our world that are fueled by faith, hope, and love, that are indwelled by God's Spirit and the presence of Christ, then the vision of justice in their hearts is not self-made. It doesn't just happen because they got angry. It happened because God built in them a holy discontent for the injustice they're seeing. And then, through, then, then with God, this vision is birthed out of God's heart. And you know what? These activists are the ones that get through opposition. These activists are the one that, ones that don't have to mirror back to the world everything that the world gives to them. These activists are the ones that are resilient and they, they, they find guidance through complex issues. And when this happens, they can be the non-anxious, non-reactive presence while still calling the world to justice. While still calling the world to justice and holiness. I'm going to ask Steve to come up as we wrap up in a moment. And I want to ask you, you know, how, how can you make room for that this season? I know it's been, you know, three weeks in this series, and, and I promise we're, we're going to wrap it up with some um, intentional words um, in two weekends from now. But I, I, I wanted to extend it a little bit because I, don't, I, don't, I didn't want us or me even to just think about it next, think about it next topic. I believe we all, we all need to make room for renewal in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives. And the, the one way I want to encourage you to do that is through nurturing, nurturing the relationship with Christ you already have. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Christ yet, we want to invite you to put your faith and trust in Christ, in what he's done, in the faithfulness of Jesus. He's done this for you. He's calling you to know him, to find life in him. Or maybe you've been following Christ and, and you just feel like you're in a moment of disconnection or disarray or apathy. And my, my invitation to you is that in this, as, as we jump into this fall season, you know, there's so many other things we're nurturing. We're nurturing the school year and we're nurturing the next cycle of sports. We're nurturing like, you know, what's the next car I'm gonna buy so we do research. We're, we're nurturing something that's going on. Maybe we got to adjust our finances because of, you know, what's going on in the markets. And so we spend time investing and nurturing on how is this healthier. And 
What if we also stepped into this season and at the very top of the list, we said, we're going to nurture our relationship with God. We're going to nurture our relationship with Christ. We're going to become more dependent on the presence and voice of the Holy Spirit around us. That's the call. Paul says, you know, I pray that you would know this because you're, as you are rooted and established in love, he wasn't writing to a people who weren't rooted and established in the love of Christ. He was writing to a people who were. But yet he still prays that they would be strengthened in their inner being. He still prays. You can go, Steve. He still prays that, that they would know that Christ dwells in their hearts because of his faithfulness and their response in faith to him. So I want to encourage you to nurture this. The, the metaphor I like to, to use for this daily is sit with Jesus every day. Today our team was praying and Sharon was here and she shared a prayer request and we prayed for her. But then Josh, I saw, I didn't notice it only later, I saw he walked over and he sat with Sharon. And they were talking. I don't know what they talked about. I don't know what happened. It looked like a nice little moment, right, Sharon? <laughs> and I, that was, he, Josh went and sat with Sharon. There was an intentional moment, just a minute or two. What are we doing? How are we sitting with Jesus, intentionally saying, I'm going to come sit with you, Jesus. I'm going to be present with you, and I long for you to be present with me. And that means some of the stuff you're already doing, maybe reading the scriptures, spending time with him. Maybe the start of like the three-minute thing a day is great. But, and, and as I challenged you last week, that's not a cure for the other three hours that you absorb other stuff. That's a problem, right? Three minutes with Jesus, three hours with Oprah. Like, or three, I don't know. <laughs> That's not, and it's like, well, wait a second. Like, you know, yes, Jesus, you, Jesus can shape your day and then you can be present with him all day. But no, 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 no. How are we truly sitting with Jesus intentionally, moments throughout the day? Someone told me they started the daily office. The daily office means that, that there's offices throughout the day, that morning, noon, and afternoon, and evening, I pause and sit with Jesus. Sometimes it's extended. Sometimes it's just for a moment. And I end my day with him. I want to call you to sit with Jesus and the Spirit daily. There's ways we can help you do that. The, the Lectio app that, that helps many of us, uh, reading through the Scripture consistently, journaling prayers, being part of our prayer environments. I, don't, I can't tell you what to do this morning, but I want to tell you what, to find ways to sit with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And here's what I believe, that that nurture will affect your nature. That nurture will affect your nature. Because part of what's happening here is Paul is, is recognizing, and you know, it doesn't come out, right, come out and say it, but when Jesus dwells in our hearts through faith, something happens. He starts to shape us, right? Dorothy Sayers, who was an activist in the previous century, she said these words. She said, I love it, She's so bold. She says, Christianity does and will challenge almost every conviction you have, and that's its business. So don't blame me, you've been warned. <laughs> I love that. Christianity does and will challenge almost every conviction you have. Nurture will affect your nature. That's its business. So when we are nurtured by Christ, when we're sitting with him, we will be shaped by Jesus. And you know what happens? It's not just an infilling that happens. Then the, Christ's lordship keeps expanding in our lives. 
I bet you this is true of you because I know it's true of me. When I came to Christ, started following Jesus, even though it was 30 years ago, I can tell you that I only gave Jesus a little bit of me. I'm like, here, Jesus, this is the part of me I want you to fix. Can you do that? Great. Jesus is Lord of 3% of Dave Manifold. Over time, I hope that that 3% has expanded to 5 and 10 and maybe not just like what I wanted Jesus to do in that moment of my life, maybe with a relationship, but maybe it moved over to discernment or vocation, life, marriage, finances, all of my life. When, when nurture moves to nature, we keep expanding Christ's lordship over us and then his character is produced in you and his conviction is formed in you. And then it's, this is the beautiful thing. That's why Paul can say, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives through me because of the faith of Jesus, what he's done. Your inner being will be strengthened and you will make room for Christ's indwelling presence. And that's my prayer for you today. That's my prayer for you today. If I were to be utterly honest with you as I step into this fall, I am both excited and tired. <laughs> Steph came in today. What did you say, Steph? I said, how are you? You're like, I'm here. Yeah, and I'm like, and uh, this morning was one of those mornings that like just a whole bunch of things, you know, filling in for people, whatever. So I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm here too. <laughs> and sometimes that's all we got. I'm here. And this fall, I'm stepping into it with excitement. I, I just see God doing some wonderful things with a little bit of fatigue. But here's the thing, deep down inside, while all these things that we're doing, I believe, are important, community, worship, spiritual formation, these workshops coming up, EHS coming up later on, what we're really after is the inner work of God's Spirit in us. What we're really after is that Christ dwells in our hearts through faith. What we're really after is the indwelling presence of Jesus in us. Amen? Thanks for listening. We hope this message helps guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome, even if you're not into church or religion. We meet every Sunday, but you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. We'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com forward slash giving. Until next time, peace.